Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 30. wonder if you're facing some threat at work or in your personal life. Think of a businessman who uh, one of his salesmen came and said, well, he was going to start lying because the competition was lying and he felt there was no way that he could compete if he didn't lie. Or I think of a young lady who uh, was a Christian and yet uh, she had not uh, found a suitable young man to marry who was a Christian and there was a young man who was not a Christian who was very interested in her and I had made a proposal to her. Think of a teenager who uh, wants to be accepted and part of the peer group, but the peer group is doing things that he knows God doesn't want him doing. But if he doesn't do them, uh, he's excluded and he's not a part of his peer group. All of us face threats. Israel faced a threat. Uh, the nation of Assyria was was threatening Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. And uh, they came up with their own plan of how to handle it, different from what God had told them. Notice the doom that's pronounced on Judah here in this 30th chapter of Isaiah. Uh, verse 1, he describes the offense. God, uh, he says, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord. To those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, uh, their offense, they, instead of taking counsel from God, instead of looking to God for help, they come up with their own plan. They're going to go to Egypt for help, form an alliance with an unbelieving nation here. Verse 2, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, uh, who look... For help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. Today, uh, failure to follow God's counsel, uh, failure to pray, failure to trust in Him in a sense, uh, and do what is revealed to us in Scripture, that would be the counterpart of what they did. Well, uh, we all have a tendency to want to trust in something we can see or come up with something we feel will work and not really look to God and follow His will and trust Him. Well, the disappointment that the outcome would be for them in verse 3, but Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. What they looked to for strength would fail them. Now, what they paid for would not profit in verse 6, the last part. The invoice carry their riches on donkeys back and their treasures on humps of camels to that unprofitable nation, to Egypt, whose help is utterly useless. Therefore, I call her Rahab the do-nothing. God says it won't help. You'll pay a lot for that uh, solution you've come up with. It'll be very expensive and it won't work. Think of all the money our government has spent on welfare. And yet it seems to hurt people in a lot of ways. Uh, certainly we ought to try to help people, but help them in a way that gives them a hand up, not a handout, not to destroy his initiative. Anytime we come up with a solution that doesn't have basic biblical elements in it, it's going to not work out. The uh, 
the demand that the facts be recorded in a book. God said, I want you to write this down so you'll remember it and others can see it. And verse 8, Go now, Isaiah, write it on a tablet for them, inscribe it on a scroll, for that, that for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. Uh, the demand that it be recorded. God's keeping records. Uh, we have recorded what happened, and there's a record in heaven of all that we do. One day he'll open the books. Well, the purpose, <clears throat> he said that others may remember, it may be an everlasting witness. And he details their rebellion. In verse 9, these are a rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They refuse to hear the law of the Lord. Would that describe you or me? Is there some area of your life that you're consciously refusing to hear the Lord's instruction? Our whole society is characterized by that at every hand. It's hard to find an area of our society that is not characterized by rebellion against the law of the Lord. And I'd be amazed if there's not some area of your life or my life that's not that way. Because it's so easy to be conformed to this world and not be transformed by the renewing of our minds. To think like the world thinks. To have the same goals that the world has which is idolatry. Now, uh, he says they refuse to hear the law of the Lord, their requirements of the prophets of the Lord. Here's what they told their preachers. Isaiah, verse 10, They say to the seers, See no more visions. And to the prophets, Give us no more visions of what is right. We don't want to hear what God says. Or if we hear it, we want it watered down. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Quit telling us that homosexuality is wrong. Quit saying that abortion is murder. Prophesy smooth things. That's what they told Isaiah. Have you ever told a friend uh, or a mate or a father or a mother, quit talking to me about that. I don't want to hear any more about what you think God wants me to do or that I'm not doing what God wants me to do or I ought to do this. Quit that. You ever told anybody, get out of your way? Well, the destruction that would come from this in uh, verse 12. Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says, Because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression, depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall cracked and bulging that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will be like a, a wall that just broke, a breach in the wall. The downfall of Judah here wouldn't be due to the strength of Assyria. It would be to their own sin. And their own solution that was not God's solution. But look at the invitation of God to them and to you and me. Look at this invitation. In verse 15, this is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. 
In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Repent. Turn away from your solution to my instruction, says the Lord. Turn. Repent. And rest. Rest in me. Calm your heart. Don't worry about that thing that's threatening you. Trust in me. In repentance and rest. Resting in me is your salvation. In quietness, calming yourself. Putting down those fears. And trust is your strength. Trust in me. God says, just trust me. That thing that is so threatening to you. Instead of coming up with your alternative solution that differs from my word, you obey me and trust me. Young lady, you want a husband? You don't see a Christian husband that's seemingly available? Here's the non-Christian husband who's so attractive and so inviting. Don't disobey God. Just trust me. What an invitation here. You know, uh, uh, some biblical examples of when they did that. In First Chronicles 5.20, you had enemies attacking Israel. And uh, they were helped against their enemies, for they cried to God in the battle, and He was entreated of them because they put their trust in Him. Second Chronicles 14, Asa, king of Judah, faced the great Ethiopian army. And uh, in the middle of that, he calls upon the Lord, and the Lord undertakes just because he trusted in him. Then later on, uh, he faces Syria. <clears throat> he faces uh, another enemy nation. He makes an alliance with Syria, which was wrong. And the prophet Hananiah comes to him. And he says, uh, you've done wrong. Thus says the Lord. You remember, before you trusted me and I delivered you. Now you, you go into this alliance that is wrong. He said, don't you know that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who trust in him? He's looking for the person who will trust him. Classic case in Second Chronicles 20 when great uh, uh, armies of Moab and Ammon come against Judah and King Jehoshaphat takes all the people and they just stand in the open court there in Jerusalem and all their little children, they say, Lord, we don't have any might against this mighty army. Our eyes are upon you. And they just stand there. And the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel and he stands up and the Lord says, you don't need to fight this battle. You go out, but I will overcome. Every time they would really trust in him, God would move on their behalf. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. What a verse. I remember the businessman who salesman came in and said, I'm going to start a line. And Trez Feaster, Trez was the CEO, and Trez says to his salesman, he says, well, okay, if we're going to start a line, let's see, we've got to keep up with who we lied to and who we haven't lied to, and we've got to remember what we lied about. He said, then i got to remember whether you, i got to know whether you're lying to me. It's not we're not going to lie. We're going to tell the truth, we're going to be honest, and we're going to trust God. A couple of days later, the salesman came back in and he said, that contract that I knew the other guy was lying about, he said, the fellow 
said he's going to give me the contract because I never lied to him. <laughs> How about that? Well, a girl tempted to marry the non-Christian. I remember her saying to me, I don't care. This is my chance for forgiveness, for happiness. This is my chance for happiness. And I'm going to do it. And she did it. And believe me, she didn't find happiness. She found tragedy. Notice they refused. In verse 15, In repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. We'll go down to Egypt. We'll flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. Now, the result of their refusal of God's invitation. The delay that was necessary before God could bless them. In verse 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He says, I'm going to have to have you, I'm going to have to chasten you. Verse 17, a thousand will flee at the threat of one till you're left like a flagship, a flagstaff on a mountaintop. You'll just be a remnant of you left. I can't bless. I want to bless. But until you turn from your willful way and trust me and obey me, I can't bless. Verse 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all they who wait for Him, who trust in Him. And He will bless later after He's chastened. The delay before He can bless, but He will bless. And verse 19, O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious He will be when you cry for help, when you really turn to Him. As soon as He hears, He will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. He has to afflict, but then he will give them teachers who will teach them correctly. Verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it. He'll guide them and and they will be strengthened to deal with their idolatry. Verse 22, Then you will defile your idols and overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. They will turn from their idolatry. And they'll bless in the harvest. Verse 23, He'll also send you rain for the seed you sow. Verse 24, The ox and the donkeys, uh, they'll be strong. And he, Notice what happens. He, he uh, it speaks of these blessings and it slides over to talking about the new heavens and new earth blessings. In verse 26, The moon will shine like the sun, and the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven full days when the Lord binds up the bruises of His people and heals the wounds He inflicted. The Lord inflicted these wounds for their sin. Then He talks about the overthrow of Assyria. Judgment scene of vivid description here. Verse 27, See the name of the Lord comes from afar with burning anger and dense clouds of smoke. His lips are full of wrath. His tongue is a consuming fire. His breath is like a rushing torrent. He shakes the nations in the sieve of destruction. He's going to overthrow Assyria. And uh, <clears throat> verse 20, 31, The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria with his scepter. He will strike them down. 
And here he talks about the judgment of the Lord's enemies. Anyone who's not one of his people, anyone who's not right with him, whether you're in the nation or outside the nation. But here, his overthrow of his enemies. And he slides over into hell, describing hell. Notice in uh, verse 33, Topith has long been prepared. It has been made ready for the king. Its fire pit hath been made deep and wide with an abundance of fire and wood. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of burning sulfur, sets it ablaze. That's, Topith was a, uh, <clears throat> located in the valley of Hinnom, Gehenna. That's another word for hell. What about it? Uh, if you're a Christian, are you pursuing a solution to some something that's threatening you that's not really trusting God or obeying God? Are you refusing His invitation in repentance and rest is your salvation? Uh, in quietness and trust is your strength. Repentance. Uh, just turning to Him. Just trust me. He's inviting you. Just trust me. Uh, is God having to wait in order to bless you? Though He wants to bless you, but He can't because you won't trust Him. For the non-Christian, of course, uh, that invitation in, re- in returning and rest, or penance and rest, is your salvation. You rest in Christ, the Son of God, whom God gave as a sheer gift to save you from hell. You and I deserve hell. The wages of sin is death. Everyone deserves hell. You know, if if God had said to me, Frank, I tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to obliterate you instead of sending you to hell. I would have said, thank you. Thank you, God. That's not what he said. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son to hell. That's what communion represents. This is my body broken for you. It wasn't just crucifixion. He went through damnation on the cross for you, for me. This is my body broken for you. Jesus said... uh, Son of, life, Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost and give his life a ransom in payment for many. He would undergo the awful wrath of God on the cross that we deserve. And then God would offer to forgive us freely as God gave his Son on our behalf. And now offers to forgive you. Just trust me, he says. Just surrender to me and just trust me and I'll clear the record forever. What about You can trust the one who died for you. Let's have prayer. As our hearts are bowed, uh, if you're a Christian, is there some area of your life that uh, you're pursuing something that you know is not God's will and you're afraid to trust Him? You're afraid to take His solution? Why not right now Return to Him and rest in Him. Trust Him. If you are not a Christian, right now, accept that gracious offer of 
forgiveness and being adopted into His family and being changed inwardly by His Spirit. Pray in your heart like this, if you're not a Christian, but you're willing to have a master. Lord, I accept Your rule in my life. I trust You as the one who died for me. I trust You to forgive me and come into my life. Amen.